1: Uh, I don't know about you all, but I, so I started going to church uh, when I was nine years old. My mom attended church before I was born, and unfortunately, uh, she had a really bad pastor who abused the word of God, and uh, ultimately, my mom ran from the church uh, naturally, right? And uh, so she ran from the church for a long time, and when I was nine years old, she said, hey, there's this church down the street. I keep driving past it on my way to Safeway, and I feel like the Lord is telling me I need to go to this church. So my mom brought me to church. And, uh, but my mom is a creature of routine and that wasn't really in her routine. So she went a couple of times, maybe for like a year, but then ultimately she kind of fell away from going. But me, I grew up without a dad. And so I uh, clung to, there was a guy there whose name was Anthony, so I clung to him. I was like, we got the same name, what up? Uh, so I clung to this older man, him and his wife, and uh, every Sunday I would get up and I would walk to church on my own at nine years old because I saw value in having a, a guy in my life, right? I uh, saw value in what the, the pastor was saying, even though I didn't understand most of it because he was talking over my head. Um, but I became the first ever, like, junior member of this church because I took the membership class by osmosis. I was sitting there, like, eating macaroons in the back, and they were like, Tony was here the whole time. Let's make him a junior member, whatever that means. It was awesome, Um, but what I remember of those times, and, and maybe your experience was similar, when I accepted Jesus, when I finally said, all right, this is what I want, like, I want Jesus in my life, a pastor got up on a microphone, he said, close your eyes, no one's looking, uh, put your head down, every, every, no one's looking, every eye in the room is closed, raise your hand if you're ready to accept Jesus. Anybody else like that? Is that kind of your experience, right? Uh, that was the actual question, like, just just Andrew? Okay, cool. Maybe, Hopefully some of y'all had better experiences than just that. Um, while that's awesome, and I believe absolutely, if you say yes in that moment, you are saved. Absolutely. Uh, but what I grew to understand about kind of the Christian church has kind of gone this direction because we want to make sure everyone feels comfortable, right? We want to make sure that we're not outing anybody. Uh, we want to, 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 to build a culture where people feel safe here, right? And because of that, we've sometimes dumbed the gospel down to, uh, to just being this. And that's not enough. That's not the whole gospel, That's the awesome part of the gospel, right? Like the super awesome part is Jesus died for you, period. No matter who you were, no matter what you were doing, no matter what you did literally as you walked in the door, cussing your mom out on the phone on your way into church, right? No matter what it was that you did, he died for you. And that is the good news. But there's also some bad news for those of us who liked our life before we accepted Jesus. And that uh, we know that the enemy has come to kill and destroy, right? He wants, to, he wants to destroy our spirit. He wants to destroy who we are. He wants to drag us down to hell literally, right? But the Lord has come to kill and destroy your flesh. He's going to do it. And when we just do this thing, we don't realize all the time that that's what we're signing up for. And so I didn't realize for a long time that accepting Jesus didn't just mean, cool, now I get to go to heaven, but it also meant now I need to change my life. And now I have to act differently. And I think as we look at the life of Jonah, I think that we can see where Jonah would have liked to just have the like status of being a prophet. He would have liked to have been the guy, Right. Uh, but obviously, he doesn't want to do the things. You ever been there? Like, hey, mom and dad, I want to be the guy who lives here that you feed with the roof over my head, but I do not want to vacuum the carpet, right? I just want the benefits, but I don't want to do anything for it. Anybody ever been like, this is me last week, I'm just gonna be real. Anybody ever been like, if I could just earn the same amount of money I'm earning right now, but not work, that would be dope right right come on where's my millennials at you know you're that's all of us right so the problem is this the problem is this and i got some bad news for you that's not how it works and that's not how the kingdom of heaven works either now the good news is jesus died for you no matter who you are bad news is time to change good news is he doesn't expect you to do it overnight. The good news is he'll be with you through it. The good news is you will not go out to do this alone at all. Not just will he be with you, but he'll send people with you. He'll send the Holy Spirit to be with you. Uh, gentlemen in the back, I apologize. I'm going to jump toward my one of my last scriptures. Um, but in John chapter 16, in fact, I don't even know if I made a slide for this. I apologize. It's been an interesting sound booth day, y'all. Appreciate y'all's patience. Uh, Anybody ever notice like when we start the first song like almost every week, we like forget the words right at the beginning? So I'm gonna let you in on a little secret, okay? Right behind here is this thing we call a confidence monitor. In case you're wondering, it's to give the singers more confidence because it gives us like the words and stuff uh, and every single Sunday where a countdown goes and then the countdown for some reason shrinks that screen and then you can't see anything every Sunday. So that's what happened. Uh, it's, it's very entertaining anyway. So John chapter 16, uh, verse five, Jesus says this, but now I am going away to the one who sent me and not one of you is asking me where I'm going. Instead, you grieve because of what I've told you, but in fact, it is best for you that I go away because if I don't, then the advocate, the Holy Spirit won't come. If I do go away, then I will send him to you. Verse 13 continues. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. He will bring me glory by telling you whatever he receives from me. All that belongs to the father's mind. And this is why I say the spirit will tell you whatever he receives from me. So why do we focus so much on the Holy Spirit here at Rivers Church? Because when Jesus left, he said it was our benefit that he would leave and give us the Holy Spirit. So have that in mind as we look at Jonah's life and we understand, like, Man, th- this whole thing, this whole Christianity thing that unfortunately, like, we've all met a Christian we didn't like, right? We're all getting it wrong in a lot of different ways, right? There's not a single one of us in here that has perfect theology. There's not a single one of us in here that has lived our imperfect theology even well, right? Every single one of us sucks. Especially Andrew. Just kidding. you my best friend. Every single one of us, Right? Like, I I tell all the time, man, I'll look at a leader, and I'm like, man, this leader is not killing it in this area. Like, I would love it if they would just do X, Y, and Z, and then turn around, and I don't do those things when I'm leading people, right? So we can't even hold up to our own hypocritical ideas of of what what the Scripture says, right? So what we need is the Holy Spirit, and Jesus is saying, I'm going to send him to you, and he can teach you all things, Like, that's rad. How many of you have ever thought, this is me, and I I think I say this every single time I've preached, but it's so real, I think. How many of you ever thought, well, if I was just here when Jesus was, I'd for sure follow him, and I would do what he said to do, and I wouldn't look like one of those stupid disciples who didn't listen to him. Um, I would actually follow him, right? But because he's not here, it's really hard. You ever thought that way? Let's be real. Thanks. Thanks. Andrew's got me today. See, that's why he's my best friend. All right. But I felt that way. But the truth is I wouldn't. The truth is I would be an idiot disciple. The truth is I could have been Judas, right? Like I could be the one that betrayed Jesus because I do every day. So where am I going with this? I don't know. Hopefully the Holy Spirit is saying something because he's messing with my whole notes and I love it. But the truth of the matter is this. Jesus said it was to our benefit. So when we say, let's pause and look at the Holy Spirit, what the Holy Spirit is doing, it's important. It's important that we focus on the Holy Spirit. It's important that we understand that the gifts are for today because... Jesus said it was to our benefit. Why would Jesus say, it is to your benefit that I go, that I can give you the Holy Spirit, and he will give you these gifts, but it's only for the first like 12 or 15. And then after that, we're done with the gifts. Pause, time out, you don't need those anymore. That doesn't make any sense. If it was to our benefit, until the end of the age, we're not at the end of the age yet. So, and Monday men, shout out, 6.30, right here. We sit at the table in the lobby that my wife bought. I'm just saying, it's pretty dope. It was the church's money, but she picked it out. You know what I'm saying? So we sit at that table, and Steve always asks us this question, and I really felt like he asks it constantly, and it's great, but I really felt like the Lord was telling me to highlight why uh, this last week, and and I felt like the, the Spirit was moving in that. But Steve asks every single week. He looks at us at each individual and says, what are you hearing from the Spirit? What's the Holy Spirit telling you? And some of us have that response of, "Uh, oh. like I don't know what the Holy Spirit's speaking to me. I, I, I think He might be trying to, but I don't know what He's saying." Right? Anybody ever been there? Like I think eh, maybe He's saying something, but I don't hear Him. Right? It's only awkward if you make it awkward, my friend. So here's what I know about people who say they don't hear from the Spirit. Two things are always true. You know when the Spirit is telling you to help someone. Straight up. When you see the homeless guy on the street and the Lord is like, go buy him a burger, whether you do it or not, you know that's not you thinking because you like your money and your time and you like the way things smell in your car and not when you're talking to the homeless guy, right? Second, you know when the Spirit is telling you to stop doing something sinful, Right? So if you are in this room and you can honestly say, I think the Lord has once told me to help somebody, or I think the Lord has told me to stop doing something sinful, congratulations, you hear from the Spirit. Boom. So no more excuses, y'all. You hear from him. Alright? Without fail, everyone hears him. So let's look at Jonah's life. Jonah, as we know, let's flash back, right? Jonah's a prophet. Uh, I thought it was great. John Mark pointed out that this is a book about a prophet, but not like the other prophetic books. All the other prophetic books are these prophets talking about, here's what the Lord has told him. And when you read through scripture, you're like, oh, here's all these cool prophecies. Some have been fulfilled. Some are going to be fulfilled. And we have things to look forward to when we look at these prophets. And then you have Jonah and it's a book about the guy sucking, right? My father-in-law is going to be like, Tony, choose a different word uh but that's what this is it's a book about jonah not listening to god and messing things up and the lord still being faithful so first the lord tells him go tell the Ninevites to repent and jonah's like nope i'm gone and runs the other way right then jonah makes everybody else's life hard because the lord's coming after jonah he's like "Ah, i told you to do something Everyone else's life is hard. All these pagan people start throwing things overboard and they're like, whatever I got to do, I'll worship that God. If it gets me to, to stay alive and other people come to know the God of Israel because Jonah sucked. So the Lord is still faithful to those people, despite Jonah not listening. Then we get to chapter three. Jonah finally goes, okay, definitely dragging his feet, right? goes in has to walk around for 3 days because the city is large redeeming those 3 days that he spent in the belly of the big old fish and he has to preach this message it says this time Jonah obeyed the Lord's command verse 3 obeyed the Lord's command and went to Nineveh a city so large it took 3 days to see it all on that day Jonah entered the city and he shouted to the crowds Forty days from now, Nineveh will be destroyed. The people of Nineveh believed God's message. And from the greatest to the least, they declared a fast and put on burlap to show their sorrow. So surprise, surprise, Jonah does what God tells him to do and gets a godlike outcome. Who would have thought, right? How many times have we been like, oh, the Lord's telling me to do something, but I don't think it's going to turn out that way. I think it's going to turn out this way. And we have a preconceived idea of how the Holy Spirit is going to move in a situation, typically less than what the Lord can really pull off, right? And that prevents us from going forward and doing something because we sit in our mind and in our flesh and we don't do what the Spirit is telling us to do. So Jonah finally bucks up and does it. And he does it with the wrong heart. Anybody ever read the entire book of Jonah? I don't want to steal from Tyrone next week, but I'm telling you I want to steal from Tyrone next week. The next chapter, we learn Jonah had the wrong heart about it too. And so he goes and he does God's will, but he's actually mad that these guys are going to repent. How dumb is that? So his heart is wrong, yet the people repent. Repent. I think this part is awesome. When the king of Nineveh heard what Jonah was saying, he stepped down from his throne. Kings don't do that. The king of basically the largest city in all of the land at the time steps down off his throne acknowledging that he is not God, which kings in this time did not do, right? How many kings do we see in the Bible and in history who wanted their people to worship him as God? Right, We see it today in North Korea. That's what people do. They get power. They want to be gods. And what happens here? The king steps down from his throne. He took off his royal robes, showing he's just a man. He dresses himself in burlap. He sat on a heap of ashes, and the king... And his nobles sent this decree throughout the city. No one, even the animals from your herds and flock may eat or drink anything at all. People and animals alike must wear garments. I'm just imagining people like putting burlap on their pigs. Just, I don't know why. It's just a great image for me. But it's like, I don't want anything breathing to make God angry, or than he already is. We want it to go the other way. So everything breathing, stop eating and repent. The king does this. And so when, uh, verse 10, when God saw that they had done, uh, what they had done, and how they had put a stop to their evil ways, he changed his mind and did not carry out the destruction he had threatened. What a God. What a God. We have this opportunity because of Jesus in today's age where regardless of what you've been doing, regardless of where you've come from, I don't care what it is. We, <laughs> one of my favorite moments in all of Monday Men was we're talking about Paul, and I was explaining how Paul murdered all of these dudes, and my boy Chris right here was like, hey, hold on, hold on, so this guy murdered people when he's in heaven? I'm like, yeah. That's the God we serve. So I don't care what it is you did before you walked in this place. The God we serve sees your repentance and redeems you. Period. But the repentance part is turning away from the sin. Not just saying, "I, my bad, I'm sorry. But it's actually turning away. Which again, this little hand raise doesn't do. Just going, I acknowledge it doesn't turn everything away. The Spirit does that. When you give that acknowledgement... And you allow the Holy Spirit to come in you, He begins to turn you away from your sin. Anybody ever tried to stop sinning and failed? Doing it right now. (laughs) Right? It is the Holy Spirit's job to come inside of you and start digging those things out. If you've ever had this thought, well, I just want to get right first. Nope. Doesn't work. That's not how jobs work, right? You come before your boss, you say, hey, I messed up, I'm sorry. Here's my plan to do better. And then you execute said plan, right? You don't just go and execute said plan but never acknowledge what you did. You do both, right? In your marriage, good luck trying to just fix it without ever acknowledging all the things you did wrong. Doesn't work. You gotta acknowledge that you messed up. And in that acknowledgement, it's for us in a lot of ways. I recently went through this thing where the Lord brought up some old stuff. I mean, some old things like I had buried so far down. I like, I truly forgot they happened. I'd buried them so far down. It was some sin that I had done. And, um, and I was really wrestling with God. Cause I'm like, God, I know you forget this stuff, right? Like your word says you remove it as far as the East is from the West. You don't hold it against me. So why is this bubbling up in a way that I feel is coming from you? Because I didn't feel like it was coming from the enemy. Now did the enemy capitalize on it? Oh Yeah. But I felt like the reason it was being brought up was from the Lord. And so I'm like, Lord, what's going on? So I went and I saw a counselor because I was like, I can't figure this out. So I went and I talked to the counselor and the counselor was just like, hey, you know he forgave you, right? Yes. You know it's removed, right? Yes. Blood of Jesus covers it all. I'm good. He's like, so have you ever repented of it? And I was like, no, I literally forgot it happened until two days ago. <laughs> like, I pushed it so far down. My coping mechanism was to forget because I felt so bad about what I had done to these people. And he was like, did you ever repent? And I just stopped in that moment. I was like, Lord, I am, I'm sorry. You already see the fruit of me changing my life. You already see that I've turned away from that. That was part of me stuffing it down. And I ran far from ever doing it again, right? But the Lord then... I was so relieved in that moment from the Spirit when I finally just said, Lord, I'm sorry. I know that grieved your spirit when I hurt those people. I know that put them in a position farther from you because of the hurt I caused them. And the freedom that I felt in that moment was just, I can't explain it. If you've ever been baptized, maybe you know what I'm talking about. That freedom, that difference that you feel in a moment uh, was there. And uh, <clears throat> so, anyway, the Holy Spirit, I keep pointing back to Holy Spirit, remember, because Jesus said it was to our benefit that we would get the Holy Spirit and he would go. So the Holy Spirit in me is doing a work and is saying, hey, you have to repent of this because you never dealt with it before. So let's deal with it. And now I'm like, cool. I'm not thinking about it. I'm not dwelling on it. It's not weighing me down. I almost forgot about it again until I felt the Holy Spirit prompted me to talk about it right now because it's been forgiven and it is washed away. So Anyway, when I'm looking at the life of Jonah, anybody uh, sense a theme in in, in the lives of Israel in the lives of the people of God? I think John Mark and then Tyrone pointed this out. So guess what? It's a theme. I'm going to point it out too. That the book of Jonah is like a microcosm of the entirety of the Bible, right? God says, do this. Man goes, nope. Uh, God goes, try again. Steers us the right direction. We do said thing. People are redeemed. Boom. That's the Bible, right? And so this reminded me of what happened in uh, (coughs) the book of Numbers in chapter 13. Uh, I cut out a bunch of verses here because this is way too long, so I apologize. I swear I'm not a heretic. I'm just telling you the important parts of the story. I encourage you to go home and read the whole thing for yourself. So Numbers chapter 13, Uh, Verse 1 through 3, the Lord now said to Moses, uh, send out uh, men to explore the land of Cana and the land that I'm giving to the Israelites. Send one leader from each of the 12 ancestral tribes. So Moses did as the Lord commanded him, and he sent out 12 men, all tribal leaders of Israel, from their camps into the wilderness of Paran. And uh, verse 25, after exploring the land for 40 days, the men returned. To Moses and Aaron and the whole community of Israel at Kadesh in the wilderness of Paran. They reported to the whole community what they had seen and showed them the fruit that they had taken from the land. This was the report to Moses We entered the land that you sent us to explore. And indeed, it was a bountiful country, a land flowing with milk and honey. Here is the kind of fruit it produces. So the Lord tells the people of Israel to go into the land, to go in, uh, scout it out. And what do they see? First thing they see is it is exactly the way God said it was going to be. So the first thing they do is they have proof of concept, right? God says, this is how it will be. They go in and they see this is how it is. He is telling the truth. Uh, but the people living there are powerful and their towns are large and fortified goes on, verse 30. But Caleb tried to quiet the people as they stood before Moses. uh, Let's go at once and take the land. He said, we can certainly conquer it. Why can they conquer it? Because the God who told them what it looked like was telling the truth. It's exactly what it looked like. So that God says, this is going to be your land. So what does Caleb believe? We can conquer it. Simple. The guy who's been telling the truth the whole time is still telling the truth. But the other men who had explored the land with him disagreed. We can't go up against them. They are are stronger than we are. So they spread this bad report amongst the Israelites. The land we traveled through and explored will devour anyone who goes to live there. All the people we saw were huge. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. Next to them, we were like grasshoppers. You like that hyperbole? They're like... They're not just like, not only were they tall, but like, we were like grasshoppers. Like, let's make it even scarier, right? Exaggeration. Anybody else? That's me. I exaggerate like crazy. I'm sorry. Uh, (laughs) Andrew's like, uh, your Jenga abilities. I'm good at Jenga people. I'm just saying. (laughs) <laughs> so that's what we thought too then the whole community began weeping aloud and they cried all night their voices rose a great chorus a protest against moses and aaron if only we had died in egypt or even here in the wilderness they complained why is the lord taking us to this country only to have us die in battle our wives and our little ones will be carried out as plunder wouldn't it be better for us to return to egypt Then they plotted among themselves. Let's choose a new leader and go back to Egypt. How dumb. Like, let's, because we just don't believe the God who's told the truth this whole time. Doesn't make sense. Let's let's actually go back into slavery. And I'm not talking indentured servitude. I'm talking slavery, it would be better for us to go be slaves than listen to the God who's told the truth this whole time. Now we read that and we think, how dumb. Isn't that how our life is though? I think about that in my life. I was reminded of a story, but asking the Lord, can you give me a story? Like what, What's something in my life that looks like this um, to share? And I remember uh, when I was in Washington, Uh, shout out to my Washingtonians, what, what, when I was in Washington, uh, I was serving under Tyrone and Amy, and uh, they were the youth pastors there, and I was Tyrone's right-hand man. Tyrone pulled every youth leader, we had a massive youth ministry, like bigger than this church, and pulled every youth leader in, and he said, hey, if Tony says it, it came from me. Like, what kind of honor is that? Like, that was too much for for me to have as a a little, like, 21-year-old kid right? I was kind of thinking about that this morning, like Tyrone's gone, Amy's gone, Pastor Matt's gone, my wife Rachel's gone, John Market, gone. All the pastors are gone, and they left you guys here with me, uh, so hopefully I don't mess anything up, right? <laughs> There's no accountability here today. I'm just kidding. Two, two-thirds of the board are here, and then the other third is my wife, and that's all the accountability I need. Anyway, so I, um, I found myself, I, I turned 21 and something about me, like I really didn't drink until I turned 21, mostly because I just knew I made dumb enough decisions sober. So I was like, I don't need to do anything else. Like, I don't know what alcohol really does, but I hear it makes people make bad decisions and I already do that. So don't need the help. But I had a friend and this friend, I knew better than to hang out with him late at night at a bar. Uh, but this friend always would say like, man, I just want to hang out with drunk Tony one time. Like, it would be so cool to kick it with drunk Tony. Cause like sober Tony's fun, but like drunk Tony, uh, that guy, I wanna meet that guy. And he would talk like this all the time. And so I knew like, I can't go out and have a beer with him cause he will make sure I turn into drunk Tony. So late one night I went out and had a beer with him because sober Tony already makes dumb enough decisions. So I go out to the bar and uh, starts with one drink. Next thing you know, the bar's cutting me off. Way too much to drink. I'm acting a fool and I know it. I don't know if any of you have been there, but in the back of your mind, you're still seeing everything soberly. You're seeing how stupid you are. You're seeing the actions that you're making. I grabbed my cell phone and I jokingly put myself in a relationship with somebody else on Facebook uh, who I didn't want to be in a relationship with, but like two other people had done it to us before. I thought at that time, I thought, oh, it'd be funny to keep doing this. She immediately calls me and was like, I know you did this. Like crap, right? Um, it was not a good experience. I'm su- I was super drunk. I'm 45 minutes away from my home. so I have to go to this friend's house. I have to sober up so I can get home. And then it's Saturday night, what's Sunday morning? I'm serving in youth ministry, a Sunday morning, and here it is. It's probably only 11 o'clock at night because I'm weak sauce and I'm just just tossed. So, I eat a bunch of food, I try to sober up, everything's good, I think at least. I drive home, drive that whole 45 minute drive feeling like just crap. The next morning, I wake up, I go up to a youth group, and, uh, and I'm talking with one of the youth leaders. And now I feel the need to kind of like justify it like I was being cool last night because I feel dumb, right? And so I'm telling this guy, like, oh, yeah, last night, man, this is what I was doing, and uh, I was kind of being dumb. And the guy's laughing with me, right, because we're dumb, you know, 21-year-olds, and uh, and for some reason we think sin is funny. And uh, But really we're just trying to cover up for the fact that we feel horrible that we did it. And I remember it just sinking, just sinking on me. Here I am. I've got all the – like literally my, my, my pastor has told me, if it comes from your mouth, then I want the people to trust it. And here I am not listening to the covenant that I had signed with my pastor saying that I would abstain from alcohol in my role. And so that night I called Tyrone. I said, I need to talk, man. I'm messed up. So he's like, cool. So I I meet up with him and I just tell him the truth. I said, I got absolutely drunk last night. It was dumb. I didn't want to, but I went with a friend who I knew would influence me the wrong way and I gave in. Because I wanted to be cool, and Tyrone looked at me and he put his hand on my shoulder and he said, "I love you, man." And I told him how I had shared with that one youth leader, and he was like, "You got to go repent to that youth leader too, for making it look like it was fun and cool. Because now you've influenced him to want to go and do that as well." And uh, but Tyrone looked at me. And he said, "Tony, I love you. I still believe in you, and I still want to elevate you here in this ministry." we just might have to take it a little slower. And that hurt, that sucked, but that was grace. That was grace. I signed a covenant stating that I wouldn't drink at all, let alone in public, let alone actually get drunk. (laughs) And Tyrone showed me grace in that moment, and I'll never forget that. And as as we look at this moment here, I'm reminded that the <laughs> I thought it would be better in that moment to go back to the way I used to live and be more flippant and free and not follow Jesus to look cool in front of this one friend who didn't love Jesus than to continue to follow Jesus down the path I knew he was leading me. Same as the Israelites. We all do it. It's fun when you read about these stories in scripture and you think, why? Why would they do that? Why wouldn't they just listen to the Lord? But if you pause and you think about it, you do it too. So Moses and Aaron fell face down on the ground before the whole community of Israel. Two of the men who explored the land, Joshua and Caleb, tore their clothing. They said to all the people of Israel, the land we traveled through and explored is a wonderful land, and the Lord is pleased. And if the Lord is pleased with us, He will bring us safely into the land and give it to us. It is rich land, flowing with milk and honey. Do not rebel against the Lord. Do not be afraid of the people of the land. They o- uh, they are only helpless. prey to us. They have no protection, but the Lord is with us. Don't be afraid. If you know the way the story goes, the Lord punishes Israel. And the only men from the age 20 or older that were allowed to enter into that promised land were Caleb and Joshua because they held on to the promise of God. But the rest said they would rather die in the wilderness and so they did. I don't want to die in the wilderness. And Thankfully, we have a God who has prepared a way for us we have a God who has given us the freedom to, it sounds weird, but the freedom to sin and yet still be forgiven. When I said earlier, I want to be the the, the kid in the house who, who eats all the food and sleeps there, but doesn't pay the rent, doesn't do the chores. The Lord is saying you, you have the full range of this house and you'll still be my son. You can still live in this house And not pay the rent and not do your chores. But how much more can I bless you if you do do your chores? How much more can I bless you if you do listen and obey me? My big idea for the day was this. What is on the other side of your obedience? For Jonah, what was on the other side of his obedience was one of the greatest cities in all the world coming to repentance and belief In God, for the Israelites, what was on the other side of their obedience was the Promised Land. They had to wander around for forty years, waiting for people to die, in order to enter into that promise because they chose not to listen before. This reminds me of Adam and Eve. What was on the other side of their disobedience? Couple of things. On the other side of their disobedience was staying in the garden, having one on one, unhindered relationship with God. Could you just imagine just walking with Jesus all day, every day, without even needing to think of anything else that worries you today? On the other side of their obedience, would have been eternal fellowship with God. Also on the other side of Adam and Eve's disobedience, it's a faithful God that's chasing us down. On the other side of Jonah's disobedience was a faithful God who turned the hearts of the men on that boat. On the other side of Jonah's disobedience was all of Nineveh coming to know God. It's interesting, right? On the other side of disobedience, is the Lord's glory. On the other side of obedience is the Lord's glory. The Lord's glory is on the other side. He is faithful, period. He's not faithful when he is faithful, period. Is that an excuse to sin? No, because I want to live in blessing. Is that an excuse to disobey? No. I want to live in blessing. Blessing but we have a faithful God, period. I don't know if that rings to you the way it does to me, but I can think of all the times that I wanted Tony to increase, yet the Lord was still faithful and faithful enough to prevent me from being in a position for Tony to increase as I learned to let Tony decrease so that he may increase. The Lord is faithful on the other side of, of my promiscuity before I got married. And he still provided me with a loving wife who has learned to forgive me for the things that I've done before and since. The Lord is faithful. I was thinking of Monday, Monday, men again, 630 men be there in case you're wondering if you've been coming every week and you don't have any friends yet and you're a dude, I'll see you tomorrow at 630. Come get some friends. You know what I'm saying? I, Steven, I love you. So sitting at Monday, men, we had this awesome moment this last week. Uh, one of the gentlemen kind of shared some of the stuff that he was going through and he kept saying, you know, I keep trying to do this and then I'm trying to do this and then you know, I'm trying to do this. And, uh, and my friend Jacob here, Jacob shared um, from his experience, he said, you know, man, maybe, maybe the problem is that you keep trying. Maybe that's the issue. You ever realize that, like, the Lord wants to just do work, and he wants to use you, and he wants to grow you, and that trying means that you're trying to do it instead of him? And so Jacob shares that, and, and then Stephen's sitting next to him, and Stephen's like, "Oh, that resonates with me. Like that hits, right? But as the conversation went on, we all kind of went around the table trying to fix the problem this one guy shared that he had. And I just started feeling this tension in the room. It just something didn't feel right. And so we just, I said, hey guys, let's pause. Let's pause real quick and let's just pray. And I said, I know it's weird to invite the Holy Spirit into a place he's already at, uh, but this is for us. We need to pause and say, "I invite you to have your rightful place in this conversation." And so we did. We paused and we prayed, and there was just this sense in the room like something had switched. And uh, then, as the conversation went on, Jacob boldly said, "Hey, I, I realized that when I shared that you just needed to stop trying, that that was actually out of my flesh." that was me realizing this one thing that I learned when I was in in therapy was that oftentimes those of us who want to help people and we start trying to give them all this advice and shoving it down their throat, uh, that comes from us uh, actually feeling uncomfortable with the fact that somebody else in the room has an issue and we want to fix it for our own sake so we can feel more comfortable in this room. And us wanting to help somebody is actually us being selfish and trying to take away from what the Lord wants to do there. And there was just this sense in the room, and we all looked, and we went, oh, that was the Holy Spirit. Like, that was the Holy Spirit. And we all got something from that moment. Now, what's cool was that the Lord was so faithful that somebody in the room still got something out of when Jacob self-admittedly said he was in his flesh. The Lord was so faithful, he still used that moment because he is chasing us down because he wants to speak to us because he wants to have day to day relationship with us minute to minute. He wants to be in community with us. And so he used this moment that again, Jacob self-admittedly said that was my flesh. But when Jacob stepped back and he said, I'm gonna let the Holy spirit speak. There's such a change in the atmosphere and we all acknowledged. Yeah. Yeah. That's the Holy spirit. The Holy spirit is speaking. It was, it was great. Um, Steve even looked at him and said, I've wanted to say that, I don't know how many times, but never had the words to say exactly what the Spirit just said through Jacob. So that's edifying to somebody like Steve who's wanted the answer, the response for so long. Yet the Lord then speaks through Jacob. That's a real life quick example of where we can be in our flesh We could be in some ways disobedient to what the Holy Spirit wants to do, and the Lord is still faithful. But then when we paused and we said, oh, no, 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 we want to give the Holy Spirit his rightful place in this room, he was even more faithful because we were blessed by our obedience. Our obedience changed the atmosphere. I'm just so blown away by the fact that we have a God that is so faithful that when Jonah (laughs) finally goes and preaches this word, he does it again with the wrong heart. Read chapter four before you come next week. You know what I'm talking about. But he does it with the wrong heart and the Lord is still faithful that the entire city turns away, that the king steps off of his throne and the entire city is saved, and the Lord changes his mind from destruction. The Lord already changed his mind from destruction in your life. You already changed his mind from destruction in your life. What are we going to do with that? What is on the other side of your obedience? I think sometimes we get really caught up in hey on the other side of my obedience would be like me having a better job or you know maybe I wouldn't have gone through the situation that I, that I went through and that's that's probably true but on the other side of your obedience could be your brother coming to know the lord I speak for my life my brother right now is searching he's seeking he wants he wants something more than what he has and my brother came to me 2 weeks ago and said hey Would you mind just calling me every morning and praying with me? What's on the other side of that obedience? I don't know, because I failed this whole last week and I didn't call him once. And it burned in me every single day, but I had some lame excuse every single day. But what do I actually want? I want my brother to be up here instead of me. I want to have my brother the microphone and tell you what, what the Lord's done in his life. What's on the other side of that obedience? The Holy Spirit is coming to our life, it is here to walk you through obedience. I just, I tried to do this on my own for too long. I tried to stop sinning. I tried to listen and just do. I tried to act the way I felt the Bible would act. I would look at the Ten Commandments and go, oh, am I doing this? Am I doing that? Let me, let me tell you anybody in here actually have Jewish blood in them? Anyone? Yeah. A little bit. So you're the only person that the Ten Commandments were written for. <laughs> hey, yeah, yeah. Okay, two. Thanks for carrying it on. Did you know that? The Ten Commandments weren't written for the rest of us. They were written for the Jewish people. Why? Well, one, we can look at them I and they're pretty good rules. You should just follow anyway. But because the Jewish people were supposed to be set apart they were supposed to be holy so that the rest of the world would see them and want what they have. But they squandered it, right? There's this really cool thing I didn't know about. Is, I'm getting ready to wrap here. There's this, there's this huge part of the temple called the Court of the Gentiles, It's this massive field, not field, but like it's like a slab of concrete. Basically, it's huge that far and wide Gentiles, people who did not believe in the God of Israel could come and watch people worship in the temple. That's the whole point. The whole point of this massive section was for people to come and see the beauty of God's people worshiping him. You know what happened in the court of the Gentiles? It is in that location that Jesus was overturning the money tables. It was in that location that he was pushing the sheep out and letting the doves free. The Jewish people turned it into a way to make money instead of showing the people who didn't have the holy God of Israel that they could have him. Here we are, we have Jesus in our lives, and we're doing the same thing. We're living our lives for ourselves. We're not living our life in a way that shows love. How many of you got real angry at Christians over the last four-ish year political-ness? Six years, whatever. About really mad at some Christians and I got my wife really mad at me. Jesus said that people would know we were his followers by our love. Do people know you follow Jesus by your love? Are you obeying him in such a way that your love is ever increasing? And the reason I bring this up is because, like I said before, the Holy Spirit is here to help you. The fruit of the Spirit is love joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. The fruit of the Spirit is love, which means you can't just become more loving. You can't practice loving. You can't purchase loving. You can't do loving. It is a fruit that comes from the Spirit. The only way we are going to show the world that we are his followers by our love, is if we are in the spirit. If we are growing with Christ in the spirit. I know that my love has increased in this last year as I've grown to live more in the spirit and become more like Jesus. I didn't have to try to be more loving. It was natural. My heart naturally breaks for people more now. There are still prayer requests that people pinned up here that I've been praying for because my heart changed because I spent more time with Jesus. And I became more like Jesus by spending more time with Jesus. Who would have thought? If you're trying to become more like Jesus, take Jacob's fleshly advice. Stop trying. Let me tell you it's from the Spirit. He wants to do something in your life right now. And he wants to do it through relationship with the spirit.
0: Thanks again for listening to this message at Rivers Church. We'd love to have you subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already. To learn more about what's going on in the life of our church community, check us out at riverschurch.co. I pray that this week you would walk in the power and the presence of God.